Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Hey, if I haven't met you, I'm Ryan, and I used to be on the team here. I got promoted to being a year two teacher or demoted. I don't know. One of those. I like being here at the six, so I don't get to come anywhere. I'm at the four o'clock a lot now because of a little baby, and it's like still, uh, you know, I'm like here. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm, this is, I'm at home here. I feel feel like, feel good being here, but at the four, I still got to like, I don't know, their parents, they're tired. They don't give you as they don't like it's harder to win them over, but I like you guys, even though I'm not necessarily one of you anymore, maybe. I don't know. I'm like, by now, it's like quarter to seven. I usually am in bed by now at this point. I'm, I've had dinner and I'm in bed. And so I'm a little bit tired because I'm usually early sleep on the couch. I've usually had dinner by now. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit tired, I'm a little bit hangry. Watch out. I might watch out. Don't cross me. <laughs> um, no. So we are, we are doing a, um, a series on Embrace the Word, and, and this is the one of two passages I wanted to focus on tonight about Mary and Martha. And um, Martha, or sorry, Mary spends time at, at Jesus's feet, and I think she prioritizes spending time at Jesus' feet. And we say embrace the Word, you know, Jesus is the Word, John 1 says. Um, the word was with God. The word was God. You know, he was with God in the beginning, Jesus. So when we spend time at Jesus's feet, we actually, that's spending time in the scriptures, uh, spending time with him. And I want to look at embracing the word. And, and, and we have this, we have a Mary and Martha inside of us, someone who you know, Martha is, um, she's active. She's a doer. She's one who's like a lot of, she does a lot of stuff um, while the other is more restful uh, she sits at Jesus' feet. She's more of a she's more of a beer. So we're going to talk about doing and being, and balancing the two, and focusing on doing out of our being. Doing out of our being. Um, we all have Mary and Martha inside of us, and a, a doer and a beer. Both are good. Both are needed. I need to do things so I can eat. You have to do things. It's good to do things, but. Jesus in that passage is very specific with Martha about what should come first. Our being comes first and our doing then can come out of our our being. Um, So here's our problem. Often our doing for God becomes more important than our being with God. Often doing things for him and not always even just doing things for him, but just doing things in general. Uh, we do and do and do and do, and that comes before being with God, like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, like Theo was reading about. She, Jesus says to, to Martha, Mary has chosen the good thing. I'm not going to take it away for being at the feet of Jesus. And obviously, our, often our doing, sometimes for God, sometimes just doing comes before that. Um, we have a problem with needing to do things, being busy, and often our busyness distracts us from being with God and letting God do the deep work uh, of shaping our inner our inner beings, of shaping us inside deep, deep down. And we love to distract ourselves. Often our doing is just distracting ourselves. Like when I was at uni, back when I was, you know, 19 or 20, I, you know, it's one of those nights. And like, if you're, you got like I me, mean, a lot of people here are young, it's like, when I was 20, I was like, I wanted to hang out with people every single night of the week. You know, I'm out all the time. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, let's hang out. Let's do stuff. And it was one of those nights where it was like kind of the end of the term. And a lot of, 
you know, people were probably studying, I guess. And it was before Instagram. So if they were hanging out doing something cooler, I didn't know about it, I guess. That could have been it. I think they were just studying. I don't know. And I should have been studying, but you know, I texted all my friends and no one could hang out. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And this is before Netflix too. So it's like, what's on TV is like the, it's, this is crazy now. That's like, you can only watch, you know, I was at the mercy of the 15 channels on TV. And so nothing good on TV either. So I was sitting there, no one to hang out with me, nothing to watch on TV. And I just had this, you know, I was new, relatively new to really taking seriously, at least following Jesus. And, and I just had this realization. I was like, I hate being alone. I hate being alone. I hate actually being just on myself. And it's like when the being starts coming out and that's when your mind's, my mind starts racing. There's all the thoughts that I kind of distract myself from often by being with friends, doing things all the time. I hate being, and I had this, it was just this, there's this big moment actually just sitting on my couch being like nothing, just bored, <laughs> which you can't really do anymore. You don't, we don't get bored anymore. So you don't have to have this, you know, these, these revelations, but I had this, deep thing where, man, I hate being alone because that's when we are being at the feet of Jesus. We have opportunities to be at the feet of Jesus. Um, so we're, we're addicted actually to distraction. Um, we're addicted to distraction. Ronald Rollheiser says, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And for you, the distraction addiction might be like social media, it could be, you know, that's, I don't have to go on about that. We all know that's a thing now, but it's like, could be social media, could be hanging out with friends all the time, never having your own space. If you're older, maybe for me now, it's less that I like want to not hang out with friends. I want less of that, but it's like, for me, it's the busyness of like email. I'm like, the phones, oh, I can always be more productive. It could be like work, it could be work, like, or really workaholism. That could be the distraction addiction for someone maybe a bit older. It could be just the, the really obvious things. It could be our distraction is porn. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be any of that sort of stuff that distracts us away. It's, it's all doing things that distract us away from being with God like Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. So I don't know what it is for you, for me. Right now it's emails because I, you know, I set aside time every morning to have a quiet time. And I'm not... We're talking about spending time with God in scriptures, praying. It's a quiet time, but it's actually more than a quiet time too. I want to, I'll just let you, I just want to say that it's more than a quiet time, but man, I set aside time every morning. It's easy. Cause I'm like, it's before the baby gets up, before Mim gets up. And, um, it's like, it's easy to be like, well, no one's looking. I can just go and I can actually get on my computer and do some work. You know what I mean? Or I can, you know, scroll through and figure out, we'll see what the NBA, what happened in like, what's happening in basketball at the moment, you know? And, um, it's like it's easy to just distract ourselves away from the deep work God wants to do in us through being at his feet. Um, yeah, so he wrote, we're distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion, uh, it, meaning our distraction, our doing actually pulls us away from the spiritual life, uh, the, the doing, doing, doing. And what we see in this story of Mary and Martha is that often our doing, you know, I said some like probably more negative things, but often our doing is good things. Often our doing is in things that are worthwhile. Um, Martha was, she was a doer. She was, she took initiative and those are good qualities, right? She took initiative. She was on, it says like in that passage that she went out to greet Jesus and she invited him in to dinner. So it's like, we need those people in our life. We need those people and we need 
we need that for ourselves to take initiative for things to go out and say, Jesus, come on in. That's a good thing. She invited Jesus into her house. Um, and she, she was, she was active. She was, um, doing lots. Um, she would get things done in like another passage with her, her and her brother Lazarus. They, she's the one that runs out to greet Jesus. And she actually has in that passage, you can say she has more faith in that passage too, because she just is active. She's a go-getter, right? And that's a good thing, right? And Martha, or sorry, Mary, on the other hand, she is probably more like, she's more phlegmatic. She's quieter, more sensitive in that passage in the other, in another story with Lazarus, she, she's like weeping when Jesus arrives. She couldn't bring herself to come out to him. She just is crying. She's all over the spot. And, and we have both of these in us. We have a Mary and a Martha in us. Um, we hold a side that is, is a doing side and we have a side that's a being side and, and both are good. We're actually made for work uh, and we are made for rest, uh, work with Jesus and rest with Jesus. But Jesus in the story is very specific about what we need to come first in verse 42. He says, Bernard, Mary has chosen the good portion it will not be taken from us. And that, that idea of Mary and Martha and Sarah, that's from a abbot from the 10th century, century, which we'll look at a little bit later, Bernard of Clairvaux. But he openly says that our being with God, our spending time with him has to come first. Um, that from being with God comes our doing with God, comes our doing the things that we do. Our doing must come out of our being. And that's where our identity comes from, um, from resting at his feet as his child, him speaking over us. This is why the scriptures are so important because they show us who we really are. Uh, they, show us the, 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 they show us our depravity, how much we need God, but they also show us the great inheritance and the grace God has given us. And so those things together create our identity. This is who we are in God. And I don't get that from doing things. I get that from spending time at his feet is when I can, as a child of God, that I can see God and know him. And so often it's, it's, the, other, it's the other way around. Um, our being comes out of our doing where the things that I do, like my performance or the things that I own or the people that I know, that those they're doing things that actually inform our identity more than our being at the feet of Jesus. And it's critical that we have time with God, that we prioritize time at his feet as the most important thing in our lives because uh, that's when he reveals to us our true selves. Uh, but when we're distracted, focused on doing, we don't have to look at our inner world. I don't have to, because I'm like, I love just hanging out with people. I want to do things all the time. I don't have to think about all oh, what's really going on deep down inside. I don't have to see what's behind the curtain. And, and often I can live so unaware of who I really am, uh, the way I really come across to people. Like I'm blind. You can be blind to yourself. And our doing becomes a way to distract ourselves from God's work that he actually wants to do in us. And our doing then is ineffective. We're doing it. It's actually not effective at serving him. So we, we must know ourselves. Um, we must know ourselves being with him, spending time at his feet. And so, oh, that's just a little, you know, being, our doing has to come out of our being opposed to our doing coming out of our being. Um, but we spend time at his feet. We become aware of who we really are. Just a couple quotes from some great thinkers about uh, discovering who we are and, and knowing ourselves. Augustine says, Lord, grant that I may know myself so that I may know thee. And, and John Calvin says, there's no deep knowledge of self without a deep knowledge of God. There's no deep knowledge of God without a deep knowledge of self. And he also said, just know God, know yourself. 
like you're saying, they're intricately intertwined, that knowing who I am and knowing myself and all the little things about me is actually vital to knowing God. And we do that by spending time at his feet. So lazy people love this passage, right? If you're lazy, it come on. Come on, lazy people. Because I'm preaching to myself too, because I can be lazy. Like my wife is like, get off your butt. And like we love this passage because it's like, yeah, I don't have to work, right? I don't, don't do stuff. I can just sit and be at the feet of Jesus. And we can't divorce the two. We can't divorce Mary and Martha. They actually, they have, they, they come together, they're sisters. And we loved just the idea of, oh, I sit at the feet. I mean, some of us love it. I love, I'll sit at the feet of Jesus. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to earn anything. And it's true. But we can't separate the true. Because if I'm just being and being and being, but I give nothing, I don't do anything, there's something actually wrong with my being, okay? I'm probably not truly being with God. Uh, I'm probably distracting myself. Like it's a doing still, actually, that's just a distracting myself from being with God. Um, Jesus calls us actually to serve each other, to wash each other's feet, and not just when it's convenient, not just when it's like, oh, I feel good right now. It's like he calls us to sacrificially love each other, meaning it has to take something from us. But so we can't divorce the two. I'm just like, I'm just being, man. I just, whatever. You know, we can't just, but we also, we can't just be doers either. And you might sit on one or other side of this, but sometimes people, or we, we could just give, 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 do, do, do. And there's something wrong then with our giving. Uh, it's not coming out of actually the being with Jesus sitting at his feet. It's trying to work our way then to the feet of Jesus. Um, both are distractions actually from being at his feet. If I'm focusing on just being, and I was like, you know, hang out, like, that's a distraction. <laughs> um, but if I'm doing, 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 it's also a distraction from being at his feet. But if I am, uh, well, it's important to be clear that if you're not, if we're not actively giving, because like this is all going to be about sitting at Jesus' feet, but like I have to say, if I'm not like actively giving into the body of Christ, not actively doing something with the gifts God has given me, you're not, I'm not being properly spending time at the feet of Jesus. Like if you're not actively giving back into the body, you're not spending time properly at the feet of Jesus. Because if you are, love will be a natural outpour. Like it will have to happen if you're spending time properly at the feet of Jesus. We become more and more aware, again, like of our depravity and our need for Jesus, but we become more aware, become, we become more aware of God's grace and his immense love for us. And that fills us up and we cannot hold it back. And doing is a natural, it will happen if you're spending time at the feet of Jesus. It doesn't mean like every time, you know, like I have a quiet time, I'm like weeping with joy, but it's like this slowly over time as we focus on being with Jesus at his feet, naturally love will come out of us and I will do, I will be doing things and I'll be pouring into the body of Christ. And so I don't, especially for like young ones, I don't want to like separate the two and say, we're just being like, if we are not pouring into the body of Christ, we are not being well. I have to say that. And because as we become more aware of his love, it's something that, so we can't keep to ourselves. Like another quote from this guy, uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, he, he has this analogy about how you can't separate the two. And 
He says, if you are wise, therefore, you will show yourself a reservoir and not a canal. For a canal pours out as fast as it takes in, but a reservoir waits till it is full before it overflows and so communicates its surplus. Canals desire to pour out when they themselves are not yet in poured. They are readier to speak than to listen, eager to teach that which they do not know. Let the reservoir take the pattern from the spring, for the spring does not form a stream or spread itself into a lake until it is brimful. Be filled thyself, then pour out thy fullness. He goes on to say, action and contemplation are very close companions. And that's what, like, they, they go together. Action and contemplation, time at Jesus' feet, are close companions. They live together in one house on equal terms. Martha is Mary's sister. If you separate the two, then you do wrong. When I'm at rest, I accuse myself of neglecting my work. When I'm at work, of having disturbed my repose. The only remedy in these uncertainties is prayer, entreating to be shown God's holy will at every moment, that he may tell us what to do when and when and how to do it. And he finishes by saying, the only time to, the only way to know if I'm being too restful or too, you know, work doing, I'm too working too much is just to spend time at his feet, to prayerfully come to God and say, God, what do you want from me? So our, our being and our doing, they're intricately intertwined. They have to go together. Our doing must come out, uh, our doing must come out of our being. But if we are not doing, we are actually not being properly. We're not being with Jesus properly. So I want to look at how do we balance those two things? How do we order our lives in a being and doing kind of like a rhythm? Um, so I want to look at another passage just from Jesus's ministry. It's going to come in. So context to this, this is the beginning of Jesus's ministry, is that the right at the start, uh, he, he just come, came out of the desert where he spent 40 days with Jesus, and he goes to Galilee, kind of into the country, into the town of, into the country, and then into the town of Capernaum, where he, he was this, this is, it, this is coming right off of a very full day in the synagogue, where he's preaching, and actually in the, right before this, in the middle of a sermon, like a demon-possessed man, like, breaks out, causing mayhem, and, uh, he interrupts everything and he deals with that, finishes the sermon, his teaching, and then he heads back to his friend's house. And this is kind of where we pick that up. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because he knew them. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, went to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I might preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So I just want to look at this passage. We're going to look at kind of his rhythm of doing and being. And... Um, you see, um, he has these rhythms, and if there's one, like it's, but it's a chaotic day, right? Like first, before we get into this demon-possessed man in the middle of his message, like I have a hard enough time 
giving a message without it being a chaotic day, but a, a demon possessed man jumped up right now. would be like, whoa, get me out of here. You, you know, it's like, it's a hectic, hectic day. And if there's one thing clear from the day, it's that he's grounded, he's centered in God, and he brings this presence. Like all throughout Mark, he people he mentions how people said they were amazed by him. Uh, they were astonished at the way he taught. Uh, that they'd never seen teaching like this before. And the people that he taught, they'd heard rabbis preach from the, the teach from the, the, the scriptures before, but there's something about him. He had this presence in him, this inner life that actually, it gave him authority. Uh, and if it was me, like this chaotic, stressful life, I would be just annoyed constantly, probably. Uh, like the mother-in-law situation. Oh man, if that, you know, I get to, you know, I get to Mim's house or something and the mother-in-law comes for healing. It's like, oh, all right, bring her, you know, I'll heal. You know what I mean? Like I'd be, be stressed out. And then like after doing that and like trying to have dinner, then all night people knocking at the door, wanting more healing. Like if it was me and like, don't pretend you're all holy, it would be you too. Like if it was me, people not, it's like, you know, you, you pray because you need to be polite. You'd pray for the person, but like deep down, you know, get these people out of here. I just want to watch my... Just want to watch my whatever we're watching. I don't know. I want to, you didn't like get you know inside. You're seething because it's like stressful, big, big days. But Jesus has this presence in him, and it comes from his rhythms of being with God and doing with God. Uh, so let's just have a quick look at these rhythms. First, in like nine to thirteen, uh, is even before he goes into the synagogue to preach. It's the Right after he, uh, when he starts his ministry, he goes down, uh, well, even before that, like the first 30 of years of his life, he's like, he's in this, a desert place, this no, he's, he's a nobody, the first 30 years of life. He, he's working the family job, total obscurity. He doesn't have a ministry. He's not doing actually, from, from you could say he's not really doing anything productive for God for the first 30 years of his life. Uh, he, 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 but he is being with God. He's learning a lot and spending time with God, spending time in the scriptures. And then you see Jesus start his ministry by like this important ministry, right? This is like, this is big, a big deal. Jesus starting this ministry. He doesn't, world changing, right? It's not through like, a, he doesn't start through this giant event. He doesn't start it through this like sweet conference. That's probably what I would want to do. Like it's not flashy at all. He gets baptized in a country river by his cousin. Then he spends and goes and spends 40 days, days in the wilderness in a quiet time with God. That's how he chooses to start his ministry. Not by starting like, hey guys, here I am. I'm going to start preaching. I'm going to gather giant crowds. He says, I'm going to start doing what God has called me to do by spending time alone. That, and he's, he's, cause he's saying, I must be at the feet of Jesus. I have to, my being has to come first. Um, it says when he's in the desert in verse 13 of Mark one, it says he went to the desert where angels ministered to him, where he just spent time in God's presence in the desert. It's, it's like an uninhabited place. It's a place of solitude. It's a place out of the way to avoid crowds. Cause it talks about it all through the gospels is that Jesus continually gets away to go to a set, to a desert place to a, to a to a solitary place like it says in the in the in that in that passage it says to a um what did it say it says like a secluded place or something like that continually going going to spend time with god and 
in that solitude and silence, that's where the angels are ministering to him. That's how he chose to start. And then from that, he goes and in verses, uh, in, in verse 21, oh, well, whatever, 21, he, he's in the city, lots of activity. He's doing things. He's in the temple. He's then healing people at night. His life is crazy busy. And then again, verse 35, he pulls back from the doing. He pulls back. He's like, okay, I just need to spend time with God. He wakes up really early, really, really early. Even though the day before was a hectic day, he wakes up early because he says, I need to spend time with the Lord. And a huge part of being with God, like rest is important, actual physical rest, but actually an important part of our rest isn't just sleeping. It's actually prioritizing time with God. Um, I have to be with God. Uh, it's often easier just to like, oh, I'll just like snooze 10 times and that's skips my quiet time, you know? And then after being with God, he comes back and he's back in the city, but with new direction. Like he comes back knowing, oh, actually I'm not supposed to be in this place anymore. Like, cause the people are asking like, Jesus, come like more people want you. He's like, no, actually I need to go. I need to, uh, we have to go to a new place. So Jesus knew how to rest. He knew how to be with God. So that his work, cause he knew how to rest so that his work could have meaning. Like he, because he could rest, his work actually had meaning. Um, John Mark Comer says, if you don't learn how to rest well, you'll never learn how to work well. If we can't rest well, we'll never actually be able to work well. Our work actually will become meaningless. Um, so I want to we'll just look at kind of three um, signs that our doing is coming from our being, replacing our being as the priority in our life. Because when we have a good balance in our rhythm with God, when our doing is coming out of our being, I think there's, there's kind of three things from this passage that we can see in our lives. And maybe they're indicators for you and for me that like there's things that might be missing from, in, from these three things. And there's things that are missing. It's actually like, oh, because I actually am doing, and that could be doing physically doing for God, but it could be doing as in just distracting yourself away from God. Um, so these are kind of three signs. So that first one is we're aware of our limits. In verse 35, it said he departed, went to a desolate place. That's what it was, a desolate place to pray. And Jesus knew he was not above needing time and rest with God. He knew it was a must in his life. Jesus knew it was a must. The person who has all of the power in the world, like who could do anything at any time, right? He knew he was not above spending time with God on a regular basis. But often I think we think we are above that, don't we? It's like, no, I'll be fine, right? No, I can, I'll be fine. Like, okay, I just need an extra 20 minutes of sleep. I'll be fine. I can make it. But Jesus didn't even think he could make it without continually spending time. So he knew he had a deep, deep understanding of his limits. Pete Scazzera says, I embrace my limits. God is God. He is indispensable. I am his creature. The world continues working fine when I stop. And it's like, we kind of see it. It's like, oh yeah, of course. But it's like deep down, sometimes we don't feel like that at all. It's like, man, I can't stop because I need to do, I need to be doing, doing, doing. And Jesus was aware of his limits. He knew that he had to stop. When we're not aware of our limits, when we don't prioritize being with God and our, our doing runs the risk of no longer doing with God, but it becomes doing for God. I'm not doing things with him in partnership with him. It could be things at church, but it's your job. It's your life doing with God. But when we aren't spending time at his feet, we run the risk of it becoming just doing for him. This is, this is what I do for you, God. Um, it turns into something that comes 
not from our being. Um, because we, we've ignored God lim- God's limits, the, the limits God has placed in our lives. And, and God places limits on our lives as indicators, not as like, oh, geez, like I'm tired, I'm stressed. He places those as indicators that we need to spend time being with him. When we get tired, it's not a sign that I need to drink more coffee. It's like, I just need to, it's not a sign I need to just buckle down and like work more so that eventually someday I can rest when I retire. It's tiredness is a sign that I need rest, but not just physical rest at time. I need time spending at being at the feet of Jesus, resting at his feet. But our culture, like it glorifies like an unhealthy work ethic where people work themselves to exhaustion, to burnout. And this lifestyle makes us frantic, stressed. We lose the presence uh, and are in a constant hurry and it devastates us. That's John Mark Comer says in his latest book, hurry is a form of violence on our souls. When we are just doing, doing, doing without spending time at his feet, we are doing violence to our souls. So first indicator, we are aware of our limits. The, the second one is we know when to say no. And in verse 36 and 38, the, you know, the disciples come, Jesus, all these people want you. Cause he just spent all day doing this huge, awesome, you know, healing people, all this stuff. And he just was in high demand. And he responded to them to like this high demand by saying, no, actually we need to go to the next town, which is crazy to think. Cause like, it's not like they're wanting him for bad things. They probably be wanting more, he knows good things. We hate saying no. And it's not, not every open door necessarily is a door that I should go through. When we're grounded, when our being comes before our doing, we know that actually not every open door means a door that I need to run through because God doesn't lead us through every single thing. Because if I say yes to every single thing, I'm going to be saying no to some things. And maybe it's, maybe it's being with God, maybe it's my family, maybe it's close relationships. And Jesus had, like my, the demands on my life are minuscule. Jesus had a lot of demands on his life. And there's like just chaos, like with demons coming out, all this stuff. Everyone wanted him, everyone wanted to see him. They wanted a piece of him, but you know, it's like, it would be easy to give into that. Like, okay, yeah. it's like, starts feeling important about himself. Like, okay, everyone wants me. I gotta go help these people, you know? Everyone wanted a piece of him, but because of his deep presence with the father that he cultivated in quiet, solitary, desolate, desert places, he could carry that presence into his interactions and he'd have the presence of mind to know what he should and should not be doing. Again, this, that guy, Bernard of Clairvaux, he, he kind of would exchange letters with some of the different popes. And when a new pope in like 1180 came into power, he, he, Bernard, he was like famous for like preaching against slothfulness. So he wasn't just like, he wasn't like the doing, just do. He was like renowned for preaching against slothfulness and like being like, like we'd read it and be like, whoa, cool, cool down. He like hated not work. Like he had a, he was all about a good work ethic. But in these letters with one of these popes, he um he 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 called it he called it the sin of sloth sometimes, which was like just sounds hectic. Because it was busyness that refused to bear the effort demanded by a life of solitude and prayer. But one of his spiritual sons, this Eugene the Third, he wrote him a series of letters warning him against being engaged in activity before the time was right. So doing before the time was right, saying no until actually the time was right. This guy who's not like that was his MO, but just he knew it was so important that we need to learn how to say no. Because to say yes to something is to say no to something else. If I say yes to this great opportunity, I have to weigh up, what am I going to say no to instead? If it's a promotion, if it's a cool 
I don't know, a cool something, I'm going to be saying no to something else. And I have to take it to God humbly because often it can just be like my prize, like, yes, oh, cool. I want, they, they want me for this, you know, like, okay. It's like, no, I have to take it to God because if I say yes to everything, I'm going to be saying no to things. So that's, that's that second indicator of being be, before doing what we know when to say no. And the last one is we are open to and gracious in interruptions. And in, in 32 and 34, like well, all throughout it, really, like the demon interrupts his preaching. Like if you get interrupted, you don't love it. His lunch was interrupted because the mother-in-law and it's like, no, I don't, you know, not, would not that for me? No. Then his night was interrupted with people just at knocking at the door all night. And at this point I would be annoyed. Right. And, um, we often try and like, just ignore the annoying people so we can get, get back to God's like to doing things. And if it's, if you're like trying to be holy, it's I'll ignore the annoying people so I can get back to doing God's work. Right. But sometimes you just want to not be with the annoying people because they're annoying. You're not even trying to be holy about it, but we don't realize often that the annoying people that God has put in our path are actually the work God has given us to do. Like, you know, and now that I'm teaching, you have this like thing called release. That's like this glorious, this glorious thing. And you, I love teaching, but for some reason, the thing you love most about teaching is the time that you're not teaching. So it's like, you have like, you know, a couple hours, you know, a week or something to, to, to spend preparing. And so I have this, you know, you get released and I have one where the kids might come through our class to put their lunch boxes away. And I like, when they come through, I'm like, okay, look at your desk. Don't look up at them. Like, don't pretend you're not here because you don't want them to interrupt you. Right. I'm like, stay, stay away, but pretend you're not there. And the couple weeks in, cause I don't want to be interrupted. Right. And I'm not often gracious at interruptions. And, and, uh, a couple weeks ago, this little girl came up to me cause her dog died <laughs> and she's like crying and stuff. And this little, like this little girl. And, and I was like, okay, I have like so much things I could be doing. I was like, okay, sit, listen to her talk it out. And I find out like halfway the con- through the conversation, the dog died like a year ago. And she just, and she just remembered it. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, God, give me peace, you know? And, um, but that's the ministry, right? Like that's the ministry that like the things that we try and escape from, like I try and get away from the annoying interruptions, but the inter like, because I want to do work, right? Cause I want to get back to doing things, but actually the interruptions are actually God coming to us. That is the work, right? Like now has this, this story, Henry now has a story where he's overseas and on a, on a missions trip and he'd go every morning to, he'd go every morning to, to, to where he was doing this work and feeding the homeless, all this stuff. And he'd have kids that were coming to him all the time as he's walking through the streets and they were just like, play with me, play with me. And he like, he'd be like, no, I need to go. I'm like feeding the poor. I'm doing all this good stuff. And he would like try and get them away. And he had this realization. It's like, oh my gosh, I am here to feed the poor, but I am here for these kids that are just interrupting me. Right. And it's the same thing. Like last weekend, like, I'm like, just have a lot on at the moment. And I'm like trying to prepare for this thing. And it's like Saturday or Sunday. And, and I like, it was like, oh, I don't have a ton of time to get ready for this. And our baby's sick. And I just like, I'm like spending time rocking her. I'm just like, okay, please go to sleep. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you have, have kids, it's just like, you're just praying. They fall asleep when they're sick. And, and I'm like, have this moment. I was like, I'm like in the middle of writing this. And I'm like, Ugh. and it's like this, this interruption is the work that God wants to do. This interruption is the work that God wants to do. So it has to come from a deep, we, we won't even realize it if we are not being with God. 
We won't even realize it if we're not prioritizing being at his feet. Uh, it has to come from a deep presence with God to even be aware of the moments because the moments aren't interruptions from being with God. They're actually God coming to us in those moments. My daughter crying, that's God coming to me saying, this is your work right here. It's not an interruption from your work. This is the work right here. The kid coming to me, that's the work. And so I want to leave us with those three things and we can and just to chat about those things is that how is your being going? How do you go with these th three things? Are you ticking all three off? You're like, yes, I am nailing the balance of doing and being. Uh, my being is so strong that love is just pouring out of me. Or are you like me? And maybe a couple of these things, maybe I cannot tick off yet, where it's actually like, man, I actually am horrible when I'm interrupted. I am really cranky or I actually say yes to everything. I don't understand my limits. I try and go, 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 or I just distract myself into no time with God at all. And how, how are you going with those things? Can you tick them all off? Um, my guess is we're all, we're all trying to figure it out. And I'm so thankful that we have a gracious, gracious God who like meets us in our distraction and who comes to us amidst not doing these things really well all the time at all. But I'm convinced that when we follow the way of Jesus, that we spend time at his feet learning from him and just letting him work on our inner being, that these things will become more and more slowly a part of our lives. So I'd love to pray for you. And then you might want to turn to your, there might be like some light music that comes on to set a mood and you just can turn to the person next to you and you might say, well, I don't know. I don't, I'm, you might have no idea and you don't have to share anything. If you don't want to share, you'd say, I don't really know. That's fine. But to talk, man, what, what are these do I struggle with? What's in my, how's my being going? I'd love to do, we just turn and just have a chat with someone about it. Not nothing super crazy spiritual, but just have a chat. Well, where are you at with that? So I'll pray for us and, um, and then we'll chat. Father, um, yeah, thank you that you are gracious <laughs> because we're not, we're not good at this. We're not good at this. And we know it's only through you, but the crazy thing is that it's only through you when we actually spend time with you. It's not like it just happens magically, but we know you're so gracious with us and you meet us when we don't deserve it. And you give us, you give us everything when we just don't deserve it at all. Um, so Show us where we need to prioritize time with you, where we need to embrace our limits, where we need to say no, where we need to just be gracious to interruptions. And, and in that, just embrace being with you more than anything else. And then from that, a doing, a love that's outpouring into the world. Yeah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. What is it that He said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.